exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Happy 2012 to everybody out there. A lot to be thankful for, especially a Spartans victory today in triple overtime in the Outback Bowl. Definitely something that we will be uh, discussing on today's show. Again, hopefully everyone out there did have a great and safe New Year's uh, the last couple nights. My name is Dave Frankie. I will be your host for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan here to my left. Megan, how you doing this 2012? I'm doing great. That is great. <laughs> yeah, the weather got a little uh, cold, a little snowy, but not as bad as the west side of the state got absolutely demolished yesterday. Really? Yeah, I guess the west side of the state, Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo, that whole area got tore up, but hmm. really just kind of windy around here. Huh. So really not too bad. Got to be thankful for that. And uh, we do have a special guest on today's show. James Akers is back in studio. How you doing, James? I'm doing great. Well, great to have you on the show. Again, guys, don't forget the phone number out there. 517-432-3893 is the number. Call and I'll show about whatever you want. But again, we are going to be discussing the Michigan State Spartans to start off. We'll also get to a little Michigan State basketball. We have some other bowl games going on uh, tomorrow, especially with Michigan facing Virginia Tech tomorrow in the Sugar Bowl. We will definitely have a little bit of Lions action for you. Really a lot to discuss there with their first playoff game coming up here on Saturday. We'll get to a little Detroit Pistons getting their first victory here as well. And we got some Red Wings for you. Again, phone number is 517-432-3893. But we are going to dive right in to the Michigan State Spartan football team. And yes, the Spartans took on the Georgia Bulldogs here this afternoon out there in Tampa, Florida. The Outback Bowl. Um, I think a bowl game that some Spartan fans felt that they got snubbed out of a better bowl game that played in the Outback Bowl after a 10-3 and season and, you know, beating a team like Michigan, but still not getting that bid. Some people felt a little perturbed by it. I still felt that it was the correct bowl game for Michigan State, that, you know, they did not deserve to go to a Sugar Bowl, and they were playing a very well-matched team in Georgia. Both of these teams lost their conference championships games, both 10-3, and both great defenses. Georgia ranked third overall in the FBS. Michigan State ranked fifth. This was going to be a great matchup, and it did not disappoint. Michigan State comes away with a victory 33-30 in triple overtime. Uh, one heck of a ball game in every way. Michigan State trailed 16 to nothing at the end of the first half, barely putting up over 60 yards in offense in the first half, giving up some big plays, 80-yard touchdown pass, a 92-yard punt for a touchdown, and on their first offensive play, Michigan State gets a safety on them. Things not looking good for the Spartans this entire first half, only had four rushing yards, but like we have seen with the Spartans, not only this year, but also last year, a resilient team that does not give up hope that believes in their quarterback, Kurt Cousins, believes in Pat Narduzzi, believes in Mark D'Antonio. Everyone believes in each other, and they trusted that even though they were behind, they could do enough to get this victory, and they did. Their first bowl win since 2001, a great step up for Michigan State, really starting to, I think, after this victory, prove to the nation that this is a team that can be respected within the top 10, that they are a team that now has won double-digit 
two seasons in a row. Last year finishing with 11, this year finishing with 11 as well, 11 and 3 this year. A great, great season for Michigan State. Megan, obviously, I know you know you watched this game. We all did. I mean, I hope every Spartan fan got out of bed to watch this game here today at one o'clock. Just overall, give me your sentiments on the game and what you thought, what you saw from the Spartans there. Um, to be honest, the first half scared me. Oh yes. I will say that after that safety, and it just looked like you know. I know a lot of people say this a lot, but uh, they look like a high school team. They didn't look like they could do anything. Like you said, they had very small amount of um, offensive yards. Our, we weren't living up to you know one of the best defenses you know in the nation. We weren't doing that at all. It was just it was kind of a mess. We went into the first or we went into halftime. My, or I was with my family and a bunch of people at my grandma's bar out in Weberville. We're all just sitting there shaking our heads, going, "Uh oh, what is going on?" Like. Whatever, and they came back out though, and they they finally they brought it back, and that's Put the thing. Put together a nice drive. They did, and you know they, it could have been really bad in the end. Um, we could have we could have lost completely. You know, it could have been a really a really terrible game. But I, I was I was really proud of them for them to come back out, come back and tie it and go into overtime. I was I was very very proud of that. Um, something they definitely needed to do. I wish they would have played a whole football game, obviously, but it's too late for that. And I just think they pulled it together in the end. You know, they had a lot of opportunities to win. That's the only thing that really bothered me. Mm -hmm. um, and they just kept tying it up and going into overtime, like Couldn't overtime get the after overtime. overtime, right? Yeah. Exactly. And but other other than that, I mean, Kirk didn't look very good in the first half. The second half, he looked better. He did better. look a little little timid. I think he was afraid because he was overthrowing it a lot mm -hmm. that they're gonna pick it off. And I think that's the and worst. They did. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> that was the worst possible thing. He was was thinking would happen, and then he underthrew it a couple of times. You know, but other than that. Good job. I'm glad they won a bowl game. That's yes. what we really, really needed to do. They needed to win a bowl game, and they did it. So, I, other than that, I'm I'm extremely proud of what they've done. Hands down. I mean, James, you know, we watched this game earlier. What would you say was one of the biggest reasons that Michigan State had enough to overcome Georgia? I just I just think that the the defensive play uh, it was it was an outstanding game that they played. Um, they gave up some big plays that they were bound to. I mean, you look at the way that uh, Georgia is set up offensively. It's a lot like Michigan and, and the big play style that they have. Um, so they were going to let those plays. Those plays were going to happen. But I really liked the fact that their uh, defense showed up the way it did. It really surprised me, though, that their inability to run the ball. Michigan State's that's been their strength for years now. And uh, everybody thought coming into this game they were just going to run it all over the place. And... You know, at times they had, you know, a few good run plays, but it, their ability to run was really there. No, it really was. And, I mean, you know, and that is very, you know, it's a great point because, you know, going into this season, you look at Bell, Edwin Baker, Larry Caper. I mean, really three prominent running backs, you know, in college football. And I really did think as well that, you know, this team was going to be based more on, you know, the ground and pound style that we see from a lot of Big Ten teams. They did only put up 73 yards on the ground. Um, nothing horribly to sneeze at, but at the same time, what always worries me with Michigan State is that when they just they, they get away from the run for almost no reason, it feels like at times. Yeah, it's not necessarily working completely, but you know, especially when we saw that we were down there, I believe on about the five yard line, and we're throwing two pass plays, and they got to kick a. Field. Why aren't you trying to run that ball in there on second and four instead of you know trying some two awful pass plays? Uh, nonetheless, though, Michigan State's defense is what got them back in this football game. Darquise Denard um, with two interceptions, one was a pick six. 
hands down is really what got this team going, got them motivated, brought it back into 16, uh, made it 16 to 14 with the uh, Dark Weiss Denard interception there in the third quarter. So really, the Michigan State defense, William Golston, an absolute monster out there on the field, just ripping off the head of Aaron Murray and just really making the offensive line of Georgia look like a bunch of children. With this guy, 6'6", like 250, he's an absolute monster out there on the field. Jarrell Worthy played great, and obviously you have to give a lot of credit there to Anthony Rashad uh, Davis. Um, played a, you know He played a great game as well, number 98, and blocked the potential game-tying field goal there in the third overtime. Just absolutely bear-swatted that ball out of the air. So yeah, great job by the defense. I think the defense is what kept them in the game the whole time. You look at that whole first half. There was, you know, after only one drive, Michigan State had had consecutive three and outs in eight of nine drives, which was absolutely horrific. You talk about a team that couldn't move the football around. Michigan State, yeah, like you said, high school, I mean, I know Georgia's defense is good, but, I mean, give me a break. They could not get a first down for the life of them, and, you know, it was very frustrating because the defense was playing well. They did give up that bomb in the second quarter, which, you know, it was unfortunate. But again, you know, like you mentioned, James, Georgia's a team that's, that is capable of explosive plays. You know, we saw that. But overall, really limiting Georgia, you know, very well. They only had 22 rushing yards in the first half. Yeah, they passed the ball around a little bit better. But really, Michigan State's defense is what gave them a chance. And Kirk Cousins, yeah, you know what? He did not play a great game. He was 27 of 50 through the air. Obviously, they threw the ball a lot in this game. 300 yards passing, one touchdown, three interceptions. Now, obviously, those three picks stand out in your head. But at the same time, you look at the very key drive that he had at the end of this game when it was 27-20, to 20, and he put that drive together and looked great. And, I mean, can you tell me anything about this drive? I mean, I was just very impressed with a guy who has been struggling throughout the game to not get too timid like, you know, you had said and really just attacked with, uh, you know, Georgia's defense and, you know, carved him up. Mm-hmm. One thing with Kirk I think I was a little... I was a little taken aback by, and, you know, I was, we were all talking about it, is he was, during overtime, he kept trying to throw bomb passes, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like we needed three more yards to get a first down, but he was he was like, let's go for the touchdown, let's not get the first down, even though, you know, there's no game clock. Yeah. that's That was one thing. I mean, other than that, yeah, we won the game, but that was just what was, I don't know what was going through his head, if that's what they were telling him to do, like, I don't know. I, I Did you guys notice that, too, well, in no, overtime? I, I agree, and that's what I was thinking. At times, getting away from the run. Mm-hmm. Again, I know it wasn't working all game, you know, but yeah. you, you still had plays where you had that nice touchdown run from Bell. When you're down there, it's just a lot easier to work with the second and four, second and three than, you know, okay, now it's second and ten. Now it's third and ten. Now, no matter what, the defense knows you're throwing the football. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's what I think got, you know, bothered me. They had good coverage, especially on Cunningham and, like, Linthicum. Yeah, like, all of them. I mean, except for Linthicum's two-point conversion, which was amazing. And but... he had that great, I think it was a 45, 60-yard reception. Yeah. I mean, Linthicum, at, he looked great at times. I mean, I think Cousins found, figured out, I can't really get the ball to Cunningham too well. He no. was targeted, like, 18 <laughs> times. Did have six or seven catches. But I think you saw they were double-teaming him a lot. Yeah. Really hard to squeeze the ball into him. Good coverage on The him. thing that surprised me most about Cousins in this game was just there was every reason for him to not be confident most of this game. I mean, every time he scored, Georgia came, Georgia came back and they scored the ball. Or he would throw an interception, they'd score the ball, you know. And with three interceptions thrown in a game, you know that's going to affect someone's um, uh, confidence. Yeah. Oh, without He's a definitely going to accept uh, change their confidence level and and the thing that I really liked about Kirk Cousins was that no matter how difficult the game was to play for him you could see it in his eyes he was focused he he wanted to make sure it got done he wa- he did not want to end his last play 
with the Spartans to be an interception, and and luckily uh, it didn't end that way. Luckily it didn't, and I mean that's that's sports for you. I mean we'd be singing a different story right now if that forty-two yard field goal attempt there at the end of regulation. Oh, Goes in. I mean, it was barely wide right. You didn't know it was wide right until the last second, really. I mean, yeah. you know, from the angle you're watching it at, you, mm-hmm. you couldn't tell to the last second. It almost looked good to me. It really did. It really did almost look good. And I bet it looked a little almost better to you. <laughs> but, no, I mean, they, he missed the field goal. And, you know, we got a nice little push up front. It wasn't the cleanest snap. And he missed it. This is college. The kickers aren't as good. It's not like the NFL where I think it's a little bit more of a given. It's funny. This is My why we play it. the game. <laughs> My dad called it. He's like, he's missing it. He's sitting there leaning on the bar, and he looks, and he goes, ah, this isn't a very good kicker. He's like, mm, and then he misses. He's like, ah. called it. <laughs> so like, nice, you. dad. Nice. No, definitely. And yeah. I mean, exactly. And that's why you play the game. Right. And, you know, they lost it. I mean, Blair Walsh still hit a nice, you know, this is George's kicker, hit a 47-yard field goal to go up 30-27 to in the second overtime. He, he nails the 47-yarder. Uh, it pushes the 42-yarder wide right. Real fast, I want to ask you guys' opinion on this. On second down, Georgia, you know, it was only, I believe it was second and four, and instead of, you know, running another play, you know, try to get a little bit closer, they automatically just kind of sliding kind of back up two yards to take a knee to line up for the field goal yeah. before even fourth down. There was still time on the clock. They still had timeouts. What do you think of that decision? I mean, because it, it really, I understand you want to center the ball, but... It's, it's second down. You still have more than enough time on the clock. What were they thinking, really? I didn't realize it was second down until you just said that. Yeah, it was second down, and that's what kind of, you know, threw me off because, you know, almost looked like they were going to try to pitch it back. And then really, you know, the quarterback kind of just runs back and just kind of kneels kneels right down hmm. to center the football. And then they run out there thinking, we're just going to kick it now. Right. I mean, James, any thought, do you understand? I mean, I know it's very conservative, but, I mean, if, you're, if, you, have tr- if you don't have as so much faith in your kicker, Guys missed 12 field goals this year. Wouldn't you want to get maybe two, two, three more yards? Are you that worried about fumbling on that one play? Well, to see, not run one more play or even one more play to just get them a little closer? See, personally, I hate the play. I think that it's a very bad one. I mean, playing football in my life and being as, um, you know, being the way that I am, I would have definitely have picked a different play in that situation. But if you look at the situation, um, they were getting the ball back to start overtime. Mm-hmm. in the first place. And I think that he knew that. So he thought, you know, why not put myself in a position to go ahead and kick this field goal now instead of possibly fumbling it, throwing an interception or something. And even if I don't make it, we still go into overtime and I have the ball first. That's the only reason why I could see him doing that. Yeah, I mean, but I, I just, still don't, I don't like, like it. it at all. I just, I, I think it's just, it's very conservative. I mean, I understand maybe on third down you try to do that in center it, but on second down, I don't understand why you try one more run play. Right. Try to squeeze out four or five more yards, which is going to, in my opinion, a bigger, a huge difference between a 42 yard field goal and like a 37 yard field goal. And especially when he just misses the one before. I mean, did we yeah. intimidate him enough? Is that what happened? <laughs> we came back by that much, you know, in the second half. Did they get yeah. scared? I mean, maybe so. I mean, obviously, I don't think they wanted to play overtime, you know, against the Spartans. I mean, obviously, you know, at that point, you know, momentum was all in the Spartans' mm-hmm. favor. It definitely was emotionally. And, you know, Georgia did look kind of gassed. And, and de- defensively, Michigan State was a much stronger team. Yeah, Michigan State was. And, I mean, that defensive line, uh, linebackers and Denikos Allen, Max Below, I mean, everyone on that defensive end of the ball, I think, played amazing. Um, absolutely phenomenal. It's what kept this team in the game, even with the mistakes from Kirk Cousins at certain points of this game. But Cousins did keep his cool enough. Michigan State did have eight penalties for 50 yards. Uh, definitely some untimely ones um, at times. But at the same time, not a ton of egregious penalties. 
um, that pass interference call on Johnny Adams there, um, you know, towards the end, it, his, his arms were draped all over him. It was the right call. Though that that one you got to be careful though. Yeah, I mean you could let them play football or you could make that call. It's the right the, call. The call was made. It's the right call. I mean that's the way it should be called. Is it a little ticky tack? Maybe, but he did have his arm on it draped over his shoulder. Can't do that. But nonetheless, Michigan State comes away with their first bowl victory in ten years, thirty-three to thirty in triple overtime, beating an SEC school. Something that speaks a lot more volumes than maybe going to a different bowl game and beating up a, you know a different type of opponent. I think beating its school from the SEC means a lot to Michigan State as a program, improving, again, to the na- to the national, to the country in general, that Michigan State is not just the doormat. It's not just a team that can win their games in the Big Ten and anytime they were to play any school outside of it, get demolished. They were embarrassed last year by Alabama, absolutely embarrassed 49-7. to They've been embarrassed in a lot of bowl games in past years. This year... Like I, you know, I said last week and we said before, I think if Michigan State and this team can't win a bowl game against a team like Georgia, where I think it's a very even matchup, then I don't know when they would. I think this is probably the best matchup that you could have possibly given Michigan State. I think it's very equal. Mm-hmm. Very, very equal. I think both teams, again, really in so many ways defensively and their offensive weapons, they just they really stacked up. It was a great matchup to honestly watch Georgia, which is going to be a top 10 school next year. This is really going to resonate you know, with the pollsters and where Michigan State goes going into next season. As of right now, after, after this victory, you guys, do you think Michigan State is top 10 ranked preseason, or do you see them maybe 12, 13, 14, something like that? I don't see them top 10. Okay. Um, I mean, they did very well, um, but I, I, I see them, and I hope they're not top 10, because I don't want us to get a big head, to be honest, um, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't see them in the top 10. I'd see them more, like you said, maybe like 12 or 13 or 14, somewhere around where we ended, I yeah, guess. because, I mean, we were 17th as, you know, when this game started, mm-hmm. so. I think if you're returning the entire team the way it is now, yeah. Yeah. Hands down, top 10, maybe, maybe 6, 7, but. With the the losses they are going to have, which are in some pretty key positions. I mean, you're going to be losing, obviously, Kirk Cousins. Jarrell Worthy, we don't know. Jarrell could go to the NFL or More he could than come likely. back for his senior season. Really depends. Honestly, Pickleman's gone. Pickleman will be gone. Uh, star receiver Martin. Yeah, Martin will be gone. B.J. Cunningham will be gone. But as well, I mean, I think that Maxwell, I mean, this is a kid who's been under Cousins for years. I think that he's really going to be ready to go. Yeah. And if this game wasn't as close and nitty-gritty as this game was, we would have actually seen Maxwell in the game. D'Antonio, even in 2009, you know, he, he likes to play his guys, you know, that are going to be stepping up next year a little bit in a big bowl game there at the end just to kind of let the team, okay, this is a transition. Right. We're transitioning to, you know, the next season, whatever it may be. I think a lot of people say Maxwell can be better than Cousins. He's got a better arm than Cousins. That you know, We'll see with Maxwell. Nonetheless, though, William Golston, sophomore, kid's young. He's a monster. And I mean, he might go, a, but I hope he doesn't. I really hope I he hope, does not. I hope Jarrell Worthy doesn't go either. But we'll have Golston regardless. We'll still have Max Bolo, who's mm-hmm. obviously And I think their defense will still be in a really good position next year. I still probably put them top 15 teams. Oh, definitely. Uh, without a doubt. I think preseason rank, I think you give a team like Michigan State probably something like 12. You know, I don't. I agree with you. I don't. I don't think they are as good as a top ten, but mm-hmm. I think they're right there on the cusp of it, and that you know they don't need to really. I don't think they necessarily deserve an eight seed or no. a nine seed. I don't think so. Mm-mm. But I think yeah, getting maybe a twelve seed, even eleven seed, whatever. I think that that's fair, and I think that Michigan State under Dan Sonio, he's recruiting very well, 
getting guys from states that, you know, sometimes you just you wouldn't expect him to pull recruits like he has. He's done a great job with his program just as well as Brady Hoke is bringing back Michigan's program and the recruiting that you're seeing there. And, you know, people wanting to come to Michigan State and Michigan. Now, obviously, people have always wanted to come to Michigan to a large degree. But nonetheless, Michigan State getting some of those big you know, big recruits out uh, out this way, which is great to see. So congratulations to Michigan State, all the players, all the fans. Uh, this has been a fantastic season. You know, just go green. Go white, I go mean. Go white. <laughs> it's a great season. Can't wait for next year. Yeah, you know what? We didn't make it to the Rose Bowl. But, again, this is the first time in school history that you're seeing a team win two consecutive 10-win seasons. Kirk Cousins just play as great as he has really all year. Didn't play the best game in the bowl game, but you know what? Did enough. Led that drive to tie that game up. And that, without that, then, you know what, we're talking a completely different tune. So we've got to give credit to all the players, the coaches, Pat Narduzzi, putting together a great defensive game plan that whole day. Great for Michigan State. I love, my favorite part was at the beginning when they did their impact players, and they picked Max Bulla and Jarrell Worthy as impact players. And Jarrell Worthy has the, you know, the game-winning field goal block. Actually, I think it was Davis. No, they said that it was Jarrell. Because I, I don't know. I, I think I said right in the article it said it was Rashi, uh, Rashad Davis. I thought I saw it was because it was ninety eight. Uh, Jarrell's ninety nine. Ninety eight's Davis. Um, I'm pretty sure it, it was it, Davis. But I mean, nonetheless, both of those guys in the middle were. Absolutely <laughs> it was one great of them. Life. That's all I. Can it was say. one of them. It was one's ninety eight. <laughs> one's ninety nine. They both weigh three hundred pounds. Yeah. So I mean, they, D- Michigan State had one of the most disgusting defensive lines this year. I mean, hands down, just they could have been the best defensive line in the nation. They could have. They were right there. I mean, you had LSU and Alabama better than us. Then you had obviously Georgia at number three. I don't know who four is, and then you have Michigan State. But if you look at Georgia, it, they did not apply a whole lot of pressure uh, on Cousins. I mean, they the pressure that they did apply, you saw coming from the linebackers, cornerbacks blitzing, you know, different blitzing schemes, but you really didn't see a whole lot of pressure from the defensive line. Not completely. I mean, and like you said, we were throwing the ball. A lot. They were, they were whipping the ball. They, I mean, Cousins <laughs> threw the ball 50 times. Like, it's they both teams just decided we're not running the football. Yeah. We're just not going to run it. We're going to whip. We're going to you know, do it through the air. And uh, it was just enough. So uh, good stuff there. I'm uh, going to go to the phone lines real fast. Hey, how's it going? You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Hello. Hey, what's going on? Who's... Yeah, this is John. Hey, uh, you guys are doing a great job over there. Oh, thank you. Hey, I happened to watch that Michigan State game, and uh, it was a great game. It really was. Yes, wasn't it? Now, what did you, uh, I mean, what did you think of Michigan State's uh, whole performance throughout? I think I think they did good. I mean, they, they did what they've been doing all year, you know, coming back in the second half. But uh, my, my question is, Okay, because all these bowl games, that's all I'm hearing, bowl games, bowl games, okay? I mean, I bought a box of cereal just to have a bowl of cereal. And uh, I was just wondering, what did, what did they get out of this uh, Outback? Did they get, a what, a steak dinner or what? Well, yeah, everyone should get a steak dinner to begin with. But, no, I mean, the school, just for, you know, making it to a bowl game, you're going to receive money for the school. Winning the bowl game, you're going to win extra money. And, you know, it's just something that's beneficial to obviously recruiting for your next, you know, for your 2013 class. You know, you're going to see a team that actually has beaten an SEC, you know, not a powerhouse necessarily, but, you know, a darn good school. And I think it just helps in recruiting, gives the state, you know, gives the school more money and, you know, good exposure. If you look at the other games that were playing at that time, Ohio State and Florida, not that exciting of a game. Nebraska, South Carolina didn't end up that exciting of a game in the second half. So I think you had a lot of eyes on Michigan State and Georgia with just people watching college football today. And I think that's really going to bolster the perception of Michigan State. Ah, uh, okay. Because I know there's so many bowl. I'm, you know, I get confused because I'm more NFL, and then I'm trying to get into this. And 
I'm trying to, you know, try to find out what, you know, what uh, do they get, the trophy, or, you know, things like that. No, I got you. Yeah, I mean, there's just, yeah, there's 36 bowl games and uh, a lot of sponsors. But, uh, you know, hey, it was a great uh, win. Uh, and just uh, real fast, where do you see Michigan State next season? You think they, uh, you know, kind of, you know, put it together again another 10-win season or so, or do you think they'll regress a little? Well, I'd like to see first uh, what players are leaving and see what they're going to come up with before I make a decision on that. All right, well, I guess you'll have to call into a later show, John, but thanks a lot for this call, all right? All right. All right, have a good one. All right, bye-bye. Yeah, Michigan State gets it done. 33-30. to 30. Again, some of those other bowl games I had just mentioned, because uh, there were three other Big Ten schools playing in bowl games around the same time. Houston ends up beating Penn State 30-14. to 14. Case Keenum, um, an absolute monster, uh, throws the ball for, what was it, 530 yards? Roughly, yeah, five twenty-eight, five twenty-eight, five throws for five hundred and thirty yards. Uh, just you know, I think he threw the ball like seventy times. He had three hundred and sixty-seven yards in the first half alone, and threw the ball forty-eight times in the first half. So uh, something else in case. And Penn State's supposed to be the fifth-ranked uh, pass defense in the entire nation. Penn State's got a lot of problems going Didn't on. Didn't show oh, up yeah. today. <laughs> they got a lot of stuff going on. Unfortunate for Penn State after you know a really, really great. I mean, first seventy-five percent of the season. Uh, we all know what kind of, I think, distracted this football team down the end there. Florida getting the best of Ohio State, 24-17 to there. Um, a lot of great special teams play by Florida. They get the best out of Ohio State. Again, Michigan State beats Georgia 33-30 in triple overtime, and Nebraska falls to South Carolina 30-13 to there. So really good for the Big Ten to see Michigan State get a victory there so that the SEC doesn't run a train on the Big Ten like they do many, many years. Um, looking at a few of the other bowl games just that happened last week, uh, Western Michigan lost to Purdue, so the Big Ten does get another bowl win. They went 37-32 to there, as well as Texas beating Cal 21-10. to Notre Dame loses to Florida State 18-14. Florida State comes from behind, wins that game in an absolute Monster shootout. If anyone saw this game, I don't know if it was college football or a video game, Washington loses to Baylor 67-56. to An absolute back-and-forth shootout with Robert Griffin III. It was, I don't know, did you guys watch this game at all? I did. I was watching it, is, it on my computer, and it it, I thought for a second I was needed to hit my computer a little bit, like something was going wrong, like I wasn't actually watching the game. I turned away for five minutes, and there'd be 14 more points on the board. It was just... Disgusting! Out of nowhere, no defense. It's no like defense, defense at all. Didn't exist. But RG three, Superman himself, I guess, is going to be going into the NFL draft. So uh, obviously, he will go very high in the NFL draft here coming up this next year. Iowa loses to Oklahoma, thirty-one to fourteen. Big Ten gets a loss there this Saturday as well. Northwestern loses to Texas A and M, thirty-three to twenty-two. Is your final there? Just not enough for Northwestern. They did rally there in the fourth quarter to put up fifteen points. Wasn't enough in the end. Illinois, though, getting a victory in a very tough bowl game. They went 20-14 to over UCLA. These are two teams without head coaches, but Illinois does get the better of UCLA to get the victory there. Uh, we are going to go to the phone lines real fast. Hey, how's it going? You're on Spartan Sports Wrap. Yes, uh, hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How's it going? This is Paul from Detroit calling. What's going on, Paul? And that's why I wish you, Megan, and James a happy new year. And I have a comment. Thank you. Regarding, uh, first of all, what's up? What's up with all the sports today? I mean, I can't. I don't even know what to watch first. <laughs> I know, right? It's been like that the last week. It's been ridiculous. Yeah, congratulations to the Spartans, and they pulled that one out in overtime. And, uh, and then you had the the Winter Classic on Channel Nine that was going in at Citizens Park, and 
And now they have the Rose Bowl going on. So it's just like they're switching channels all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real fast. Uh, just real fast because we're going to go to break here soon. What did you think of Michigan State in that game? You know what? Not a lot happened in that first half. It was like 2 nothing for the longest time. And then I was channel surfing a little bit. And, and when I turned it back, they were losing 16 nothing. And uh, but they fought back. They fought back hard. And you know what can you say? I mean, this is Antonio. This is his first bowl win, isn't it? Yes, mm-hmm. it is. So I mean that that was that was fantastic. And uh, and now Michigan they play tomorrow, and we'll see what happens there. But you know I would like to make a comment on the lines if I could before you go to break. Okay, make a quick comment on the lines because we are definitely going to be getting to the lines. Later. All right, because the Lions, you know, they, 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 they played Green Bay and they lost, and Green Bay, uh, they had like five of their starters weren't even playing, or several of their starters weren't even playing. So I'm a little concerned going into Sunday, or Saturday actually, when they play at New Orleans. And, and uh, you know what? I think if they get in a shootout at New Orleans, it could be curtains for the Lions. <laughs> I think uh, a little concerned is understating the fact <laughs> there. I'm very, very frightened of playing the Saints there at the Superdome. And that is, yeah, this Saturday at 8 p.m. But, Paul, thanks a lot for the phone call. We do have to go to break, but a happy new year to you as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. But, yes, uh, we are going to take a quick break here at the Spartan Sports Wrap. When we do get back, we're going to touch briefly here on Michigan and Virginia Tech. Game coming up here tomorrow evening at 8.30 p.m. Then we will get into Michigan State basketball, talk a little bit about the uh, Spartan success here last week. Two nice wins here to start a Big Ten playoff. Then we got a little NBA for you, Lions as usual, Red Wings. We got it all. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime Time. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Go Spartans! Bowl victory. First time in 10 years. Spartans beat Georgia 33-30. If you did not join us until now, we were talking about the Michigan State Spartans winning their first bowl game in over in, in uh, one decade. So again, congratulations to them. But we are going to quickly jump into the matchup between the Michigan Wolverines and the Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, Michigan will be taking on Virginia Tech here in the Sugar Bowl. That'll be uh, tomorrow night on ESPN at 8.30 p.m. Michigan ranked 13th, 10-2 in, you know, in their season overall, 6-2 in the Big Ten. Virginia Tech is 11-2, 7-1 in the ACC. Both losses coming to Clemson. Um, actually this year for uh, Virginia Tech. And uh, real fast, I'll have to ask the Wolverine fan here to my, uh, to my right first, what do you think of Michigan in this bowl game? I think that Michigan should be able to come up with a win here. Um, 
the thing that I see standing out for Michigan most in this game will be uh, the goal line defense. If, if Michigan can continue to have one of the top goal line defenses in the nation, then uh, you know we could you could very well see uh, them go down there into the goal line stance quite a few times and not come back with any points. Although definitely, and I mean, I think Michigan's got a very, very explosive offense. Uh, you, you know, you see the rushing attack. They're averaging 235 yards per game here. Denard Robinson, you know, threw for over 2,000 yards, rushed for over 1,000, um, you know, 16 touchdowns, 18, uh, you know, through the air, 16 on the ground. Um, obviously, Denard, just the powerhouse there for Michigan this year. Not to mention, you know, Toussaint. I know we've talked about uh, Toussaint before. Toussaint, who's uh, playing just a great year, has ran for over 1,000 yards, nine touchdown passes, uh, nine touchdown runs, excuse me, for uh, Fitzgerald Toussaint. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a good game. Uh, you look at Michigan, they're only giving up 17.2 points per game on only 317 yards of offense. Michigan has really improved their defense this year, which has really given this team um, the shot that, they ha- that they're getting right now. Brady Hoke has done a great job with this team. Um, if you look, they've won eight games at home this year. It's the first time since 1917 that the Wolverines actually won eight home games. So, I mean, that has something that has something to say. Um, you know, that is very good. You look at Virginia Tech, a team that did not beat a ranked top 25 team all season. Yes, Virginia Tech is 11-2. and They're not that good of a team, in my opinion. I think they're very overrated of a team at 11-2. and I do believe Michigan should beat this team. And I think it's... I don't, I, don't even, I don't even want to use the word unfair, but I think Michigan's in a tough spot in the fact that if they lose to Virginia Tech, they're going to get slammed, and if they beat Virginia Tech, people will be like, well, yeah, they beat them, but they should have beat them. Do you kind of agree? You know what I'm oh, saying yeah, there? Easily, especially like, in this area. When it come, when it, well, no, not even <laughs> just in this area. You can have the same thing set out, you know, you know, Metro Detroit, wherever you want to go, that I think this is a matchup that a lot of people look at and think, well, Michigan should beat them. And if they don't beat them, well, then, well, that's that's Michigan. Couldn't get it done because if Michigan State had lost to Georgia, people would have been disappointed that Michigan State lost. But they would have said, you know what? It was just SEC. It was a you know better school. You know, obviously Georgia should beat Michigan State. I just think it puts Michigan in a tough spot. I agree. Yeah, you know? I mean they they should win. I think they're talented enough to win this ball game. Um, you know, really when it comes down to it, I think just Michigan is too explosive and their defense is better. I think they just have a better defense. I think that will really, you know, they forced 27 turnovers this year, 19 fumble recoveries. They're doing a great job getting to the quarterback. I just think that you're really going to see a Virginia Tech Hokies team that's going to kind of be on their heels for a lot of this game. You talk about explosive plays that we saw out of Georgia against Michigan State. Again, like you had alluded to, Michigan is that same type of explosive. They might not do a lot, but they'll hit you for a couple of big plays real fast. So uh, Michigan or Virginia Tech, Megan? Michigan. 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 As much as I hate doing that. As much as it, <laughs> it's like ah, oh, bemoans me to say. It does. It does. I'm sorry. <laughs> James. Well, seeing that Michigan does not kick field goals, I'm going to take Michigan 28, and I'm going to say Virginia Tech 14. 28-14. Yep. All right. I think I'm going to go with actually 31, because I'll get one field goal. I'm going to go 31-17. 31-17. By who? A cheerleader? Yes. <laughs> The cheerleader will kick a good field goal. Yes. <laughs> a very Bring good field goal. Bring her in, coach. Bring her in. I mean, the field goal kicking is not as bad as oh, last year, at least. It's no, not it's as bad not. as last well, year. Well, last year was non-existent. This year it exists. It just 
is is just it good? <laughs> not good at all. They just go for it on fourth down no matter where they're at because they Pretty don't want to take a field goal. But a real fast, again, that's going to be Michigan versus Virginia Tech tomorrow night, 8.30 on ESPN. On Wednesday, you're going to have West Virginia versus Clemson in the uh, Orange Bowl. Should be a decent game. Again, that'll be an 8.30 game on ESPN. And then we get a break on Thursday. And then on Friday, you have Kansas State versus Arkansas in the Cotton Bowl. That game will be at 8 o'clock at night on Fox. Saturday, <laughs> Saturday, SMU versus Pitt uh, on ESPN, 1 o'clock. See if the Mustangs can get a win over Pitt. And then on Sunday, you'll have Arkansas State versus, versus Northern Illinois, the GoDaddy.com Bowl. I love how they said <laughs> I love how just that's the bowl right before the championship game. Like, that's the last bowl. It's oh, like, yeah. we'll give you a crappy one so that we can hit you with the championship game the next day. And then, yes, the All-State BCS National Championship game will be Monday, January 9th, Alabama versus LSU. Again, real fast, guys, and I, we'll talk more about this next week. But who do you got in this game? Alabama. Bama? <sighs> I don't know. I didn't even want this game to happen in the first place. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Um, I don't know. Give me a little bit. I'll think about All it. All right. You have a week still. That's I fine. Do, I, I went with LSU last week. I'm staying with LSU. I know mm. everyone's saying it's going to be tough for a team to beat a good team twice. I think still. I still think LSU is the best. Uh, that's team. what I'm leaning toward. I just think LSU is that good of a team. I, th- I hope it's going to be a good game. The nine to six game, yeah, it was defensive, you know, football, but it was qu- pretty boring. That's why um, I didn't want it to happen again. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't, yeah, I don't think we'll see a, just a field goal battle in Alabama's field goal. Talk about a bad field goal kicker. This guy missed four <laughs> field goals that game. Yeah, which was. Nick Saban. I think the reason why LSU does not win that game is offensively. I feel like Alabama's a little more in tune. Um, they've played together a little bit longer for the most part. I mean, yeah, LSU has its seniors on yeah. its offensive side of the ball. But for the most part, I just think that Alabama can come with a better offensive strategy to win the game. They might be able to. It's going to be a good one, and I'm not going to be shocked either way it goes. I think Tyron Matthew there for LSU could be the difference maker. He's amazing. He's he's absolutely incredible. So uh, we'll see what he can do out there. Again, that bit that national championship game will be next Monday night at 8.30. So it uh, should be a good game. We're going to quickly move on to Michigan State College basketball. The Spartans have played a couple of tough games here uh, this last week. They faced Indiana on Wednesday to kick off Big Ten play here at the Breslin Center and beat the Hoosiers 80-65 to in a game that Michigan State jumped out to a great lead. Running the floor, looking amazing out there. Hands down, Indiana, you know, they were 12-0 at this point, had not lost. But Michigan State, after falling behind in the second half, goes on a 20-0 run to really completely grab that lead away and go on to win this game by 15. Real fast, what would you think of this, you know, beating Indiana? Talk about a heart attack. Talk about a heart attack, really. They get up real high, they get down, and then they explode. Poof, 20 points in a row. That was an amazing game, though. That was a good game. I was, the whole time, I mean, the last 10 minutes, I'm sitting at the edge of my couch going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, because, you know, it was just like they did so well. Then they were eh. And then they were like, yeah, then we're going to come back and, you know, we want to make this game super interesting. But no, they did a really, really good job. Post play was amazing. I've never seen Derek Nix play the way he did against Indiana. And he's looking very good this year. He looks like he's going to be a big, big, big part of this team this year. Not a, not that he wasn't last year, but that he's lost no, but all that weight and stuff. I you know, agree he gets 100%. up and down the court as fast as he can, you know, that kind of stuff. He's doing well. Um, you know, the big thing they were talking about pregame was guards. And that was what was going to, you know, determine who wins that game. And they all did really good. Like Very good. Appling, you know, he he got tripped from behind, threw it up, made it. 
and one. Yeah. You know, Eppling looked great. He had 25 points, yeah. 18 in the second half. I mean, they look good. Even Day Day looked good as always. Yeah. Day Day um, had 11. I mean, you look at, yeah, you spoke of Knicks. Knicks yeah. had 14. Uh, you know, Brandon Wood added 13 there in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan State played a good game. Yeah, you know, they really they let the lead get away from them. And even when I was watching, I'm thinking, obviously, good thing you're getting this lead. But I thought there's right. no way it sticks. I'm just glad that they're going down to the post now. You yeah. know, the first few games that I watched of them, the first few games I went to, it was like, I'm going to throw it up from the elbow, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm jump glad, shoot, jump yeah, shoot. I'm glad they're finding people down low because that's, that's what's going to win games for them is that kind of stuff. No, it definitely is. I mean, James, thoughts on Michigan State? Just oh. recently, I mean, this is a team now that's won. I mean, they just beat Nebraska as well a couple days straight. ago. They've won 13 in a row. They're 13-2 and two now after losing, you know, those first two games to North Carolina and Duke. What have you seen from this team in this 13-game winning streak that kind of at least to me, makes me believe that this team is maturing at a much faster pace than I thought they might, and they're really playing up to the capability that all these guys have. Well, I want to start by saying that I, you know, from look from outside looking in, I think that you could take more from this game than you can any than you can any other game that they've played so far this year. Mm-hmm. Not only because Indiana is a great team, I mean, possibly top five in the nation, you know, mm-hmm. team we're talking here with Indiana, but also that Michigan just played an all-around game. I mean, moving the ball. The, the ball movement was great. The rebounding was great. Um, putting yourself in a, in a better position to shoot than, you know, than your not original. Not taking the first you shot. Know, not yep. taking your first shot always. Just It was just great, you know, great defensive effort. Um, and, and you saw a lot of guys that, uh, you know, last year didn't seem to be putting 100% effort into each and every game, are really doing it. You know, it looks like they're really gelling well together, and uh, you got to be happy about beating Indiana. They're a fantastic team. Yeah, got to have to be very happy. Again, I don't want to stay on this too long because we do have to move on to the lines. But nonetheless, Indiana, not only did we beat them here on Wednesday, Indiana goes and beats Ohio State here yesterday and mm-hmm. upsetting the number two team in the country, which obviously can only benefit Michigan State and uh, being the one team that has actually defeated Indiana at this point. And we will be playing Indiana again. Um, actually, no, we won't be. Pl- oh, yes, we will. Sorry, February 28th, second to last game of the season at Indiana. And then we finish off the season versus Ohio State at the Breslin Center. But, yes, Nebraska did lose to Michigan State. We played Nebraska for the first time here uh, since uh, Nebraska just joined the Big Ten, played them on New Year's Eve, and beat them 68-55. to uh, Great job holding off Nebraska there towards the end of the game. But, you know, going into Lincoln, beating Nebraska, I uh, never thought Nebraska was, you know, they're very, I think, run-of-the-mill basketball team, 9-4, and 8-5 uh, and five now. Not the best, not the worst, but it's nice to go on the road now 2-0 in Big Ten play. The next game for Michigan State will be at Wisconsin here. That will be tomorrow night at 7 p.m. They will play the Badgers. The Badgers actually a victim as well of a loss over the weekend, losing to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Hmm. So uh, we'll see. That still is going to be a very tough game at Wisconsin. Wisconsin looking to right the ship there for their team. And then your next game for the Spartans will be next Tuesday against Iowa at the Breslin Center. Really fast, just looking at the new AP and uh, coaches poll, Michigan State has moved up to 10th now in the AP poll, and they are 11th in the coaches poll. So a uh, great job by Michigan State. Again, your 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 5 will be Syracuse at 1. Kentucky's your number 2. North Carolina, Baylor, Duke, Ohio State falls to 6th in the AP and 7th in the coaches poll after their loss to Indiana. Michigan pretty much stays as is. In the AP poll, they are 16th in the AP poll and actually have moved up to 13th in the coaches' poll. And Michigan had a nice win against Minnesota yesterday as well. 
Uh, what was that? 61-56, I think, was the final there. And, you know, that was a nice win. So Michigan State, like you said, moving the ball around well, doing what they need to do. 11th in the country in rebounds, 20th in the country in assists. So doing a great job with Tom Izzo-type staples. Uh, Michigan State, again, still on their 13-game win streak. Hope to keep it going here tomorrow at 7 p.m. against Wisconsin. So that'll be a good game. But we are moving on to something that I want to talk about for a lot of the show. Um, the Detroit Lions faced off against the Green Bay Packers here at Lambeau Field. This was yesterday, 1 o'clock. It was a game where, you know, Mich- I mean, not, excuse me, the Detroit Lions came out hungry. They got to a quick 9 nothing lead, scored a touchdown, had a safety um, in the end zone. And then before you know it, Green Bay's coming back. This is a game that I think a lot of people thought that it was going to be a game of running the football. It was going to be a game of not as many yards outside, under 30 degrees, windy, some snow. But nonetheless, these teams combined for over 1,000 passing yards and 11 touchdowns through the air. The Detroit Lions lose 45-41 to in a game where if they would have won, they controlled their own, desti- own destiny in getting the five seed in the NFC playoffs, which they would be facing the New York Giants right now if they had won this game. But after losing this game, they will be facing the New Orleans Saints on Saturday at 8 p.m. in the Superdome. I'm going to start with you, Megan. This is a game that I think Detroit had a lot of opportunities to win. Mm-hmm. I believe that we saw the defense be non-existent on both sides of the football. What do you think is the main reason Detroit did not get this football game, did not win it, did not get it done? They had a bunch of chances, and they just fall short. I mean, after seeing this, what do you really think the reason was? That's tough. It's a lot of things. I mean, it you don't is. even have to boil it down to one, but maybe no. what jumps out at you the most was saying, you know what, that's probably – why this team just didn't get this done? I don't know if they wanted it enough. Uh huh. I think that might have been it. You know, I mean, I can't really pick one thing that they did wrong. The, the fact that that wasn't even the Green Bay Packers' full starting lineup, first off, really concerns me going into playing the Saints. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know. They were just like win or lose. We're still in the playoffs. Maybe that's the mentality they had. I'm not sure. Uh huh. But yeah, for them to come out to you know. A, Nine nothing lead at first. That safety was just stupid. Ball just trickled right out yeah. over it and then it up oh, pulls it back. Can't go. do that. Nope. Um I think they were under they were under the Packers skin at first. Um but I have to say Matt Flynn for the Packers played ridiculous. Played he made Matt Flynn mind. look like Aaron yeah. Rodgers Aaron Rodgers on steroids. Yeah, he just looked amazing. I mean, he had like five touchdown passes last I'd heard. Yeah, he had in, six f- by the end. In one game, and Aaron Rodgers yep. has never even accomplished that in his life. Nope. No quarterback ever <laughs> no. has. Exactly. I don't know what it was. We just we made them look so much better than they are. And that's I don't think they wanted it. They it seems like they wanted it at first and then as the game went on they're like, "Oh. And never mind. I don't I don't <laughs> want this anymore." Like, you know, because it was a high-scoring game. It was very. I mean, 45 <laughs> to 41. I mean, again, over 1000 yards of just passing <laughs> offense, which is absolutely insane. I mean, that's 1071 passing yards. In this football game, again, 11 touchdowns. You know, they barely ran the ball at all. I mean, we had 73 yards rushing. They had 81 yards. Nobody's running the ball. Throwing it all game. I mean, 59 attempts from Matt Stafford. 44 throwing attempts from Matt Flynn. James, what was the reason the Lions lost this game? My reason for the loss is the same reason why I thought that they would win. Uh, Defensive pressure on the quarterback. Where was it? We did not see it all game. I mean, I think I think I saw one sack the entire game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we're talking about a team that was resting two of their offensive linemen, starters. 
And we still weren't able to get I mean, if I'm Green Bay right now, I'm extremely happy with the fact that my second string linemen were able to provide that kind of security for my quarterback. But as a Lion, as a fan, as a, as a player on the team, a coach, I'm frustrated. We have the best defensive line in, in the nation. And that's me saying that. I mean, that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. But for us not to be able to apply the pressure that we needed to to win that game, it doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense. And like you know, he, let's. I'll give you guys the names of the people that weren't playing. Aaron Rodgers was inactive from. He didn't even play one snap. He was on the bench immediately. Matt Flynn got the start there. James Starks, their other running back, was not playing. You know, star wide receiver Greg Jennings was out. Tackle Brian Bulaga was out, and linebacker Clay Matthews and cornerback Charles Woodson. Some good names. Oh yeah, out there that were Hall not of famers. Oh yes, some really good names that were not playing in this game, and the Lions. Made that guy, I mean, Matt Flynn, and here's the thing, I don't want to take anything away from Matt Flynn, because I think he's one of the better backup, you know, backups in the league. I know we haven't seen that, because this is his second career start. He did play a game against New England last year, it was a loss, 31-27, but he looked good in that game. Against a tougher defensive New England Patriots team last year. But to let this kid come in and throw for 480 yards and 6 touchdown passes is an absolute joke. I think in every way. Here's what Jim Schwartz said regarding our defense, the secondary, in the, with the defense. He says, quote, it couldn't have played worse. We covered poorly. We tackled poorly. We played man-to-man poorly. We blitzed poorly. We played zone poorly, end quote. Obviously not happy. Obviously disgusted out there with play by guys like Chris Houston and Alfonso Smith. And Chris Houston has had a really good year. He really has. This guy, five interceptions, doing a great job. But you complain about not getting to the Pro Bowl and you let Matt Flynn light you up like this? I mean, I just think it's kind of a joke. I just, you know, you really have to wonder about the defense of a team when you're going to allow that many yards to a guy that just hasn't thrown the ball at all. This isn't a guy who's got a chance to play six games this season and get comfortable. He probably didn't know until maybe Thursday that he was getting the start for this team. And yet he goes in there and does this with a, you know, a grin on his face the whole time? Just making our defense look bad. And I just think the Lions are a good football team. But there's obviously a difference with how far a team like the Lions can go until they honestly get that maturity up and have their mental toughness a little bit better. Because it's just not there. You were talking about the, the, the poor cornerback play. Um, and, and the coach was addressing that. And again, if you look at it, a cornerback's a best friend is a great defensive line. A great defensive line is going to create a situation where cornerbacks are getting jumps that they wouldn't originally get, reads that they wouldn't originally get. And I think that has a lot to do with it. The fact that we weren't able to rush our four defensive linemen and create pressure, and we had to bring in these blitz packages to leave man-on-man on a, on a player like uh, Jermichael Finley should never be man-on-man. You should you should have a linebacker and a cornerback, maybe a free safety yeah, or strong safety drop on a this linebacker. Guy. Yep. And we could not do it because we could not get the pressure on the quarterback. No, we couldn't. I mean, this game frustrates me because it's another game. And, okay, the refs, they weren't good in this game. The Lions got screwed out of a touchdown pass. Titus Young in the back of the end zone. It's not reviewable because it was ruled not a touchdown on the field. Jim Schwartz did not have his fl- any flags left because he had already challenged two times. You know, they got hosed there. Definitely. Also, you know, obviously, you know, a punt that looked like it was muffed. But they decided it wasn't muffed, muffed, which would have gave the Lions the football on Green Bay's 20-yard line. You know, they got screwed there. That was an awful call. It was a bad call. And I know a lot of people want to go to these calls, but I've said this before. I will not defend the football team when they do still everything else in, in their power to shoot themselves in their own foot. 
Yeah, you know what? Call a couple calls didn't go this team's way, but you look at 11 penalties for 101 yards and four turnovers. This has been the constant problem with this football team, and it hasn't changed. And that's why I have I have a hard time having pity for a team when you know what they lose by four points, and yet you know what they did get hosed out of four points because they ended up kicking a field goal on that play where Titus Young should have had a touchdown. But I'm not going to cry about that. I'm going to cry about another double-digit penalty game that allowed Green Bay drives to continue going, just not there mentally, in a game where really this game was more important than maybe even last week in some ways, just in the sense of being able to play the New York Giants over the New Orleans Saints is such a difference that, I mean, I am terrified in playing New Orleans here coming up. Mm -hmm. Now we're playing New Orleans coming up here on Saturday night, Megan. I know the Lions can win this game. Mm -hmm. I don't think they will win this game. Mm -hmm. But what do the Lions need to do to put themselves, give themselves a shot? They lost this game 31 to 17 against the Saints back in uh, week uh, week 12. They lost 31 17. You know this was a game where they had 11 penalties for 107 yards. They only had they did turn the ball over only once. What do the Lions need to do to give themselves even a shot at winning this? I mean, everything you guys said they didn't do this week. Um, defensive pressure on the quarterback, defensive pressure in general. They just have to be on their toes, ready for anything, mm-hmm. running, passing, any of that kind of stuff. Beyond Drew Brees, because he's an amazing, amazing quarterback. Yes, he is. And the other thing is they have to have their heads in the game. Like you said, penalties, penalties, penalties. 101 yards is uh, you shouldn't Egregious. even have. <laughs> you, Egregious. I don't even, know. I don't even know. That's like the perfect word for it's it. Sick. Yeah, I mean, they just have to have their head in the games. No stupid penalties. No kicking people. No shoving anyone. No starting. I mean, how many fights almost started during that game? Seriously, yeah. we could have been. I'm, I'm happy there was no, no punches or slaps. You yeah. saw no personal foul flags fly for that kind of you know chippiness. But I'm glad they could get themselves out of that. But they need to be smart. I think that's one of the biggest things with our team is when we. We let people get under our skin so easily, I think, and I think that's why they have so many dumb penalties mm-hmm. is because they're like, oh, well, this guy said this to me. I'm going to go after him in the next one and, you know, that kind of thing. You're going to do it, do it sneakily. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Be smart about it. And that's the thing is penalties will kill them, and if they're not ready and on their toes defensively, we will get run over. I think that's pretty much the two two things that they really need to look yeah. for. James, what are the Lions? I mean, I've got three quick things. Uh, the first thing, again, I think the Lions can win this football game if they can create pressure on the quarterback. you got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, probably the MVP of the league in uh, um, Drew Brees. If you can just, and not even I'm not even talking about the pressure of sacks. I'm saying hands in the face, hurries, you know, just make him uncomfortable back there where he typically is not. You know, that's going to be huge. Another thing, I mean, we're, we've been talking penalties all year with the Lions. They've got to keep the penalties down. But a, a huge thing, and when you look at New Orleans' defense, the past few years, they're really good at, at takeaways. You know, they don't lead necessarily the league in takeaways or anything. But well, they're good at it, though. We have got to hold on to that ball. When we're rushing, when we're catching, when we're returning plays, whatever it is, you have got to have ball security. So if we could do those three things, pressure ball security, and and be smart with the penalties, this game's ours. I mean, I think the Lions, they I mean, they played them close enough, really, at New Orleans. 31-17 is not a blowout by any means, and with uh, 11 penalties in that game as well for 107 yards, obviously hurt their chances a lot. I don't think you can win this game in a shootout. I don't think that you can go back and forth with Drew Brees and necessarily win the game. Like you said, not just not just to get pressure on him, but to keep him off the field. 
I, I think it's this. I mean, I know they've had the Lions have had a hard time running the football, but you need to be able to keep long, keep drives going, even if you're not getting a lot of points out of them all the time, to keep Drew Brees off the field. This guy just threw for another five touchdown passes this weekend against Carolina for 389 yards. He's an absolute monster out there. Broke Dan Marino's record, not this game, but the game before that. You know, he, he terrifies me. It terrifies me to play at the Superdome is what really scares me. New Orleans is 8-0 this season at home. They scored a record 329 points, averaging almost 40, well, averaging over 41 points a game at home. That's very scary. Mm-hmm. I think it's very scary for a Lions team that just saw their secondary get absolutely abused against Matt Flynn. That's what really scares me a lot. Can this team clean it up with the penalties? I hope so. What boggles my mind is how a team can have three penalties for eight yards at home against San Diego. The week before, they travel out to Green Bay to possibly clinch a five seed, and it's like that last week never happened. It's you know They clean things up, you get better, and then you completely forget it. That's what it boggles my mind how a team can do that. You know, I wrote down all the penalties, how many they had in the yardages they've had this season. And you look at this, okay? Before the week before San Diego at Oakland, nine penalties for seventy-two yards. Home against Minnesota, ten penalties for seventy-six yards. At New Orleans, eleven for one hundred and seven. Home against Green Bay on Thanksgiving, eleven penalties for eighty-two yards. Home against the Panthers, eight penalties for fifty-six yards. Bears game, twelve penalties, ninety-four. Falcons, ten penalties, eighty-four. Most of their games, they've had over at least five penalties a game. Most games this season. And over 80 yards, it sounds and like. And over 80 yards. A lot of times. It's not going to get you wins. It won't do it. The Lions, you know, they haven't won a playoff game here since 1991. If they were playing the Giants, honestly, in a lot of ways, I'd be going with them because I think they can outscore almost any team in the NFL. The Saints is not one of them. I don't think this. they can put up enough points. It's going to be. I'm going to go against Detroit for sure in this game. They're right now they're at a ten. Uh, they're a ten and a half point dog in Vegas. Um, you know, two, for New Orleans, I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. I don't. You know, you don't always want to react too much to the just one week performance. You know, in that Green Bay game. You know, I, I don't think Drew Brees is going to throw for 600 yards. But at the same time, I think New Orleans is just a better team. They're they're healthier than us. We don't have Delmas. We don't have Aaron Barry. These guys might be coming back, but still, I'm going. I'm going Saints. You got a pick? I'm going Saints too. I'm going 29-28 Detroit. Wow. We'll you, see, you are I just guess. trying to go out there, man. <sighs> just you are just trying to go out there to say I told you. I told you Lions would win. I mean, I'm not I'm not completely uh sure about my about uh my pick there, but you know, for the first time this year, I'm not completely confident with them, but again, that pressure and I really think you provide that prov- that pressure, it's a completely different game. It would be comfortable. It I would hope be. He's right. <laughs> I hope you're right too. And then if the Lions could do that, they can obviously get some real momentum going, um, without a doubt. Because I think the Saints. I'd rather play the Packers again. Uh, I, I think the Saints quite possibly could be the best team right now in the NFC. Uh, just with the injuries to Green Bay, obviously didn't show here uh, this last week. But uh, nonetheless. We are really not going to have a lot of time for anything else, but I do want to let everybody know what the playoffs are looking like real fast here in the NFL. The New England Patriots and Green Bay Packers, top seeds in both the AFC and NFC, will get buys, as well as San Francisco and Baltimore. The number two seeds will get first-round buys. Wild card kicks off January 7th at 4.30 p.m. Houston will take on the Cincinnati Bengals here. Uh, later on Saturday night, the Lions will play the New Orleans Saints at 8 p.m. On Sunday, the Falcons will take on the top uh, seed in the NFC. Uh, they will take t- uh, NFC East, excuse me, the New York Giants. And Tebow time begins at 4:30 when the Broncos take on the Steelers. Ooh. 
Tebow could get it done. Hey, Kirk Cousins is the next Tebow. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> Kirk Cousins, the new Except Tebow. he knows how to throw the football. <laughs> he does know how to throw the football. Tim Tebow, 6 of 20 for 60 yards and a pick. Oh, that's... But they, w- they still are going to the playoffs. Tim Tebow can get it done. Mendenhall out for the entire playoffs, out for the rest of the year. Torn ACL. Ugh. No Richard Mendenhall for the Steelers. It's going to be a tough game for the Steelers. I do want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Sorry, guys, we couldn't get to that NBA, NHL for you. Football was just too much today. But, again, thanks for everybody for tuning in. Have a brand-new show for you next week. For everybody here at the Sports Wrap, my name is Dave. I'm Megan. I'm James. You guys have a great one out there. Tim Tebow's going to throw for negative 16. Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.